meditation, the in and out breath meditation. And we say meditation is in basically in two parts. Meditation in and out breath, concentration or focus, and then contemplation or introspection. Introspection is a better translation than contemplation, so it's introspection. Now, uh, in concentration, we have three folds uh, in concentration. The counting, the following, and the stabilization. And last time, we have stopped at stabilization, and we just have begun on introspection. Um, now, let us explore more into introspection, because introspection is extremely important. It always has been introspection that most people don't understand, because counting, following, and stabilization. Counting and following are easier to understand, although to some people, they are difficult enough. But then stabilization is even more subtle. So it's not easy to understand too. You have to practice it to understand. Now we get into introspection, which is even more difficult because introspection concerns wisdom. I remember on the Chinese New Year Eve, I gave a lecture, I gave a speech um, before the countdown on uh, on um, the values of life, I said, the values of life is to be good, to be happy, and to be wise. To be good, to be happy, and to be wise. That's, those are the human values that we should have. And almost there's no denying about it. Everybody wants to be good. There's no one who wants to be a bad. But what is goodness? What is the standard of goodness? I quoted, we have to at least have the five precepts. Abstain from killing, abstain from um, stealing, abstain from sexual misconduct, and abstain from lying, abstain from intoxicants. So those are the to be good, and then to be happy. Now, to be happy is counting, following, and stabilization. To be good is following the precepts, raise the morality standard. But to be happy, you really need to have stillness of mind to be happy. If your mind is not calm, if the mind is always in turmoil, if your, your, if your mind is always disturbed, then you're not happy. The, the happiest moment is when your mind is peaceful, so we said, stabilization. So counting, following, stabilization is geared towards learning to be happy. The value of to be happy is not just talking about it, you will have to practiced it. You have to cultivate happiness. Happiness is not waiting for you to take. Happiness is waiting for you to be cultivated, to practice. And now we go into introspection. Introspection concerns what? Introspection, turning, and purification concerns what? To be wise. Wisdom. In order to have wisdom, you really have to Go inside. Wisdom is not looking from outside. Wisdom is certainly not concerned with having a lot of money, having social status. You know, not concerned with that. Wisdom is concerned with what is inside of you. The wisdom is inside. So let's continue to talk about introspection. What is introspection? The cultivation of introspection, 
or contemplation or to, to be wise, to get wisdom. How do we get wisdom? The major theme of the Buddhist teaching is learn to be wise. We call it prajna in Sanskrit. And in Pali, we call it banya in Pali. So, let's get to some basic first before, before we get into how to get wisdom. The mind, the mind what? The mind introspects all the time. The mind introspects, in other words, the mind thinks, right? The mind is in two parts. We have the thinking mind and the emotional mind. The thinking mind is what we always call the rational mind. And the other mind is the emotional mind. Most often, our emotional mind and our thinking mind is at a tug of war. They're pulling in different directions. I want to be rational, and yet I want to be, my emotions come up. You know, your rational mind and your emotional mind always like to be at a tug of war, pulling against each other. In other words, you're going one way, you want, to be, you want to stay calm, but your emotional mind wants to be disturbed. You don't want it to be depressed, but your emotional mind gears you to depression. So they're always at a tug of war. Oh, everybody is like that. And what's the reason? Because most often our emotional mind, our mind has been influenced by mental afflictions accumulated from our past experiences Pres in the present life past experiences and previous life past experiences such as greediness hatred arrogance self-view suspicion anxiety worry fear jealousy and so on but not just unwholesome sometimes you have wholesome too sometimes sometimes what pleasure happiness gladness we're not always unhappy all the time sometimes we are Excited with joy, rapture of joy, pleasures from sensuous, from sensuous excitement. So, but we have to train our thinking mind by introspecting concepts of enlightenment. So usually our mind introspect, thinking mind and emotional mind work simultaneously, like a tug of war pulling against each other. But our emotional mind seems to be always in control. It's always the emotional mind that is stronger than the thinking mind. In other words, we are more emotional than rational. <laughs> you may not realize it. That's why we yell. That's why we shout. That's why we fight. That's why we get jealous. That's why we get greedy. That's why we have sensuous feelings. Our emotional mind is always in control. Our rational mind is always controlled by our emotional mind, almost like no exception. That's why sometimes we are out of control. So, our mind introspects and our emotional mind seems to be always in control. And the mind is introspecting what? The mind is introspecting, is thinking about, can't think about what? All actions, all speeches, all thoughts of the past, present, and future. All the past, present, future happenings, all the past, present, future 
talking, everything. The mind is always thinking about it, ruminating on it, pondering on it, bringing the past back to the present, worry about the future and bring it on the present to ponder on it. And all these are physical objects, impressions, images, right or wrong concepts. Our mind is like this. This is, this is a, a very simple beginning course in psychology. In psychology, while we study this, our mind, in neuroscience, how, how does our mind think? So the, uh, Buddhism gets into neuroscience and psychology 2,600 years ago. The Buddha already talked about a lot about psychology, a lot about neuroscience. But we just don't know about it. We think that believing in Buddhism is to get, just to get blessings from Buddha. That is more or less superstitious. Believing in the Buddhist teaching is not to get blessings, to get merits all the time, no. It's not that. That's just, that's just for people who are not even beginners, who are just pondering and walking at the store steps before entering the door of the Dharma. All right, so, so what do we do? We have to train our thinking mind by introspecting concepts of prajna, concepts of enlightenment, so that our thinking mind can gain the control. We want our rational mind to be in control, not the emotional mind. And these concepts, as expounded by the Buddha, are numerous to learn, multifaceted, too much, immeasurable. There's so many, that's the reason why Sometimes in Sutra said, every concept is Buddhism. Every action, every speech, every thought, wholesome and unwholesome, relates to Buddhism. So much in it. So let's talk about how to train our rational mind to get better control of our emotional mind. Don't, are you not interested in this? Or are you, you just interested in looking for money, looking for status, fame, reputation, going to party, you know? enjoying yourself with sensual pleasures. You are not. This group of people, they are looking for wisdom, right? You guys are looking for wisdom. We say general concepts of enlightenment to cultivate our introspection and specific concepts of enlightenment to cultivate our introspection. The general concept, prashna concepts explaining the characteristics related to the true nature of existence and reality, which is, direct, which is a direct insight into the truth discovered by the Buddha in his attainment of enlightenment, such as the threefold nature of existence, paticca samabhata, antecedental concurrence. Uh, some of the general concepts, the threefold nature of existence and Paticca Samapata. Just to give, give a few examples, there are a lot of general concepts of, of prajna, and there are a lot, much more specific concepts of prajna. But let's explore a few. This is unlimited source, unlimited amount of teachings as expounded by the Buddha. Well, we've got to pick, and sometimes we have to pick and choose too. Uh, because when, because when the Buddha gave lectures, he gave lectures in according to the intelligence and the level of, of his audience. That's the reason why we have so many sutras, 
to explain in different ways, some very subtle way and some very simple way. So we have the general concepts and the specific concepts. All right, specific concepts, specific prasana concepts directed to the removal of specific hindrances of the mind. For example, the five hindrances. These are the removal of specific hindrances and also concerns with the enhancement, adding to the wisdom in the understanding of the Buddhist teaching. For example, the four Brahma Viharas uh, or the four immeasurable hearts, the measurable hearts, the four foundation of introspection. We have about another five minutes and let's get, let's get to some general concepts first. General concepts are very important. Let's get to a very specific general concept, uh, the threefold existence. Let's get into the threefold nature of existence. The first one is impermanence. Sanskrit, aniya, pali, anicca. All phenomena arise dependent on conditions. Dependent on conditions, whatever dependent on conditions is, is unstable, it is always changing. Everything is therefore impermanent. Changeability is a constant characteristic of existence. Impermanence. In other words, everything in this world is impermanent. Nothing is permanent. Suffering. What is impermanent is insecure. Phenomena that are against my desire, this, this insecure phenomena are always against our desires and will. Impermanence brings suffering such as aging, sickness and death to the body and decay to whatever, whatever you encounter in this world. Everything is subject to changeability. Nothing, nothing remains all the time. That makes us unhappy. Because of impermanence, because of this suffering as a result of impermanence, we are unhappy. So that's the reason why Happiness is a human value that we are striving for. We want to be happy. We want to be happy, but it seems that the whole world is working against what we want. Because the whole world is impermanent, the whole world is full of sufferings, right? The Buddha said, we have to learn how to transcend impermanence and suffering. Next, non-self, anatman. Impermanence and suffering are not under are not under our control and whatever is not under our control does not, does not belong to me and, or mine and, and, and is not mine therefore this body that I call I or myself is only a, an elusive existence and that's very difficult to understand this body that I call I is a delusion it's very difficult to understand maybe let me just explain it in a little bit of detail and I hope that you listen carefully because I'm not going to repeat it again. What is the meaning of no self? We say no self, Anatman. Whenever your senses cognize externalities, what is the meaning of cognize? Cognition. Cognize is seeing, listening, hearing, tasting. Whatever your senses cognize externalities. I see you, I cognize you as an external. I hear you, I cognize your sound, right? Cognition is a psychological term. Cognition, okay? Whenever your senses cognize externalities, these externalities are outside, right? They're not inside. 
I see you, you're outside, you're not inside of me. I hear sound when you're speaking, you're out, your sound is outside, not inside. So whatever you cognize, all these externalities are outside. But when you cognize something, it's not just cognition. You react to them, right? You won't be insensitive to them. You react to whatever you cognize externally. And in the process of reaction, interaction, these externalities let you react would arouse reactions in your mind. And these reactions are inside, right? These reactions are not with you. If I see you, I hate you, this reaction is inside of me, this reaction is not you. This, 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 this is not you, right? So that means, actually, when you are cognizing, when you are seeing, listening, hearing, you are experiencing what? You have two kinds of experiences, right? Cognizing the objects are objective experience. Objective experience. Because you're the objects. And cognizing the reactions inside of me are subjective experience, right? You understand so far? You understand the difference between objective and, and, and subjective, right? Subjective experience and objective experience. So, you create subjective experience when you see something. You create subjective experience. What you see is objective, but what you react is subjective. So, you, you create a subjective experiences by reacting to what you cognize. That means you personalize these subjective experiences. You personalize it, right? When you say, I personalize this subjective experience, what does that mean? That means the moment you personalize these subjective experiences, what have you done? I have hatred. I hate you. I'm jealous of you. I have fears. I have anxiety. I have guilt. I have worry. When you personalize subjective experiences, reactions happen inside of me. And when you personalize, the moment when you personalize, then you have what? You have created the I, I. I hate you, I love you, I, whatever, you know, you created this I, right? What is it that you call I? What is this I? I'm getting into very intensive psychology and philosophy. Do you understand me so far? You understand me so far, right? So I have created this I. Because what, the moment I personalize my subjective experiences, I say, I hate you. I love you. I'm greedy for this. I want to have this. This is mine. I am mine. This is mine. You personalize it. Whatever you call, whatever you personalize, you identified it. You must be something, you call it something, you must be able to identify it, right? 
I call this a mouse, I must be able to identify this mouse, right? And what is this mouse? How do I identify this mouse? What makes this mouse has some identity that I can identify it? It occupies what? Space and time, right? Does this mouse occupy space and time? Right? What is this space? Space is what? The length, the breadth, the height, and the weight. This is space. If it doesn't have any length, height, space, weight, how can I see it, right? It occupies space. And also, it also occupies what? Time. It began in the factory. It could end up in the garbage later. It has its time dimensions, right? So if I say something called I, this I must have space and time too. Otherwise, how can I identify the I, right? This I must have space and time. What is the space of I? We know, but what is the time? The time dimension of the I. This time dimension of the I, I call I, I personalize as I, must have what? Must have a past and a future and a present, right? The past of the I is what? The past of this I begins with what? Begins with birth, right? You were born, right? You will begin with birth many, many years ago. You were 30 years, ago, 30 years old, and 30 years ago you were born. So, so the time of this I that I identify, that I, I personalize, began with birth. And the future of this I, what? Ends in what? Death. <laughs> right? It ends in death, right? And in between is what? Aging. Right? Aging. Any argument? No, right? So this time, or this I began with birth and ends in death, and in between is aging. Then I said to myself, aging, birth, and death is suffering. I have created a suffering. I have created an I that goes with this suffering. Am I stupid? How come I create an I that goes through birth, aging, and suffering? Am I... Am I stupid? Yes, we are all stupid. Because we created something that I call I, and this I is nothing but aging, sickness, and death. And I attached to this concept of I. And I struggled with existence because of I. I lie because of I. I kill because of I. I make sexual misconduct because of I. And this I, where is this I? I created this in my reaction, in my personalization. There's no such thing as I. There's no self. I call this I myself. But I created it. The moment you personalize subjective experiences, you have done something very dangerous, very risky. You have, you have created suffering. So we're all stupid. We're all stupid, right? And right now, instead of calling ourselves stupid, we better be wise in going for lunch. <laughs> and because we want to satisfy this I, that is the body, with food, 
and I was go hungry. Okay, so next time we'll talk more about the eye.